Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. American Jews have benefited greatly from the First Amendment requirement that the U.S. government remain secular, and yet our history also includes overcoming government-sanctioned discrimination, something we don't want anyone else to suffer. This is the Jews for a Secular Democracy podcast, defending the separation of church and state through a Jewish perspective. On December 5th, 2021, in Silver Spring, Maryland, nearly 100 masked and vaxxed attendees gave a rousing show of appreciation for Congressman Jamie Raskin of Maryland's 8th District as he was awarded the Jews for a Secular Democracy's Constitutional Defender Award, presented by Paul Golden, Executive Director of the Society for Humanistic Judaism. In his acceptance speech, Representative Raskin spoke eloquently of the meaning and importance of the separation of church and state in America. My name is Paul Golin, and I'm the executive director of the Society for Humanistic Judaism. Today is my great honor to present Congressman Jamie Raskin with our Jews for a Secular Democracy Constitutional Defender Award. This is my first rabbi techie ever. <laughs> Jews for a Secular Democracy is, a, is humanistic Judaism's pluralistic social justice initiative, which seeks to bring Jewish perspectives to the separation of church and state and activate the Jewish community to defend First Amendment religious freedoms. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with humanistic Judaism, welcome. We are one of the congregational denominations of American Jewry. We've been around over 50 years and we have local communities throughout the U.S. and Canada, including here in the DMV, I'm told is the cool way now to say Greater Washington. Uh, with Mahar, the Washington Congregation for Secular Humanistic Judaism, our gracious co-sponsors of this event. Humanistic Judaism is a cultural and secular expression of Jewish life that finds great value in Jewish holiday celebrations like this one, life cycle events, Jewish learning for youth and adults, and we do it all using a language and a liturgy that focuses on human experience and values like reason and empathy and hope and courage without reference to the supernatural. When I say Jews for Secular Democracy is our pluralistic initiative, that means it of course includes secular and humanistic Jews like us, but also includes Jews from the religious denominations and Jews of no denomination and our friends and family and allies. The diversity of approaches just within Judaism, let alone all the religions in the United States, is exactly why we are all better protected when our government is not basing policy on one religion's approach over others or religion over non-religion. And this is true for so many of the issues we care about, including LGBTQ equality, and as we're seeing even this week at the Supreme Court, abortion access. Nobody in this room, and I'd argue nobody in our entire federal government understands this better than Congressman Raskin, an author, a lawyer, a constitutional law professor for more than 25 years, and of course, an elected representative. You who are his constituents know his biography well, so let me just share what it was that prompted us to contact him about this award, which we actually did three years ago, but for logistical reasons, weren't able to present it until today. In April of 2018, Congressman Raskin co-founded the Congressional Free Thought Caucus and currently serves as its co-chair. 
The Congressional Free Thought Caucus was created in part to, quote, oppose discrimination against atheists, agnostics, humanists, seekers, religious and non-religious persons, and to champion the value of freedom of thought and conscience worldwide. Promote public policy formed on the basis of reason, science, and moral values, and protect the secular character of our government by adhering to the strict constitutional principle of the separation of church and state. So you can see why this is so profoundly important to an initiative called Jews for a Secular Democracy. But on a more personal note, as someone who identifies as Jewish and also as atheist, agnostic, humanistic, to be seen and heard and represented in Congress fills me with hope for a better, more inclusive future. And hope is much needed. Three years ago, when we first named this the Constitutional Defender Award, we had no idea just how literally Representative Raskin would be defending our Constitution as lead impeachment manager for the second impeachment trial of our previous president. The whole nation watched Congressman Raskin overcome incredible adversity to stand so brilliantly for reason and moral values. So first, this painting from um, a 90-year-old constituent of yours, Arenia Dorr, who is an artist involved in our community. She couldn't be with us here today, but she wanted to contribute this. And I know you've received a lot of awards lately, including from some excellent Jewish organizations, but I'm pretty confident that ours weighs the most. So <laughs> be careful with this. It's class and we have a good box for you to carry it with. But thank you so much for accepting this Jews for Secular Democracy Constitutional Defender Award. And thank you, Congressman Raskin, for all that you do on behalf of all Americans. Well, thank you for those beautiful words. And uh, first of all, welcome to Maryland. For those who are coming from outside, welcome to the district. For those who are coming from the outside, welcome to Silver Spring. Uh, and um, yeah, welcome to the, the heart of my congressional district here. We're delighted to have you. I'm psyched that you decided to, to meet here. Um, thank you for this beautiful award. Um, <clears throat> I have been getting a lot of awards recently, uh, ever since um, we impeached Donald Trump. And uh, there have been four impeachments uh, in the uh, U.S. Senate, four impeachment trials in our history. Uh, that of Andrew Johnson, he was not convicted. Uh, that of Bill Clinton, he was definitely not convicted, and that was ridiculous. Uh, the first of uh, Donald Trump and the second of Donald Trump, and this last trial um, achieved the most sweeping bipartisan vote, 57 to 43, although he beat the constitutional spread, uh, uh, the two-thirds requirement, and nonetheless, we have now emphatic bicameral bipartisan statement that he incited a violent insurrection against the Union and under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which I hope will start to come into focus in 2022. If you've sworn an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution uh, of the United States, and then you breach it by engaging in insurrection or rebellion, you may not hold public office again. In the so, Paul, uh, thank you for this beautiful award, and you are correct. I've been you know, getting all, all of these awards since uh, uh, since the trial, and um, you know, I. Uh, 
I'm trying to turn as many of them down as possible, but when you put the word constitution in it, I'm a sucker. <laughs> and, uh, constitutional defender, I mean, I, I, you know, I literally can say I don't deserve this award, but I will work to deserve it every day of my career. And I'm like, you know, I, I take it, uh, I take it as a great honor. I take it with a lot of love and a lot of humility, especially because I always think about what my dad said when we were kids and somebody would get an award in our house, you know, for whatever it might be, you know, soccer or ballet, whatever it is, they come up with a trophy award and my dad would say, well, just remember Henry Kissinger got the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I'm gonna work to deserve this award. So thank you very much. And um, uh, thank you for what you're doing. I mean, uh, you know, there, there are times uh, in our lives, probably for most of my life, when uh, people would utter the words about the Constitution or about the separation of church and state or about the right to privacy, or about what freedom means. And it seemed rhetorical, you know? It seemed like, well, you're kind of going through a catechism. Um, today, when we speak these words, we know how much meaning they have. We know how hard fought these values have been in our history and all over the world. And never forget um, what a miracle, what a secular miracle the United States is, both in its founding and then in the unfolding and the evolution of the fight for freedom and justice and equality for everybody. Because for the vast majority of the history of our species, people have lived under kings and queens and dictators and bullies and tyrants and despots and authoritarians. Um, and many people all over the world are still living uh, that way today. And America began in a flawed way, but at least with the right ideals um, embodied in the Declaration of Independence, um, the right ideals embodied uh, in the Constitution and the right ideals embodied in the struggle to concretize the meaning of life and liberty and equality and consent of to govern for everybody. So uh, the great breakthrough of our uh, Constitution, of course, was the separation of church and state, because up until that point, all of the governments merged church and state. So the rulers could manipulate religion in order to control the population. Um, and the establishment of religion was the most potent threat to minority religionists, people who prayed and worshiped in a different way. And so our constitution in the First Amendment, when it says no establishment of religion and free exercise of religion, understood that those values go together. Because the moment that one religious group captures state power, it immediately begins to oppress and marginalize and humiliate people who pray and worship in a different way or not at all. And so um, sometimes uh, people will portray the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause as in tension with each other or in conflict with each other. On the contrary, both of them uphold that critical essential value embodied in the First Amendment of freedom of mind, freedom of conscience, uh, for everybody. So uh, it is a daily struggle to uphold this idea and this insight of our Enlightenment Constitution from 
the 18th century. Um, even today, I will have colleagues who get up on the floor of the House of Representatives almost on a daily basis and denounce Engel versus Vitale from 1962, the Supreme Court decision, which said that the state of New York could not compel uh, any student or the plaintiffs who were Catholic in that case to utter uh, the Lord's Prayer, the Protestant uh, Lord's Prayer, um, because it violates the Establishment Clause. And I have colleagues who get up and say that this was the moral downfall of America when the Supreme Court banned prayer in the public schools. I like to remind them the Supreme Court never banned prayer in the public schools. As long as we have pop math quizzes, there will be prayer in the public schools. Anybody can pray whenever they want, but the point is, is that the government and its agents, the principals and the teachers, cannot compel our kids to pray in a way that some government official uh, has dictated. Um, so, um, you know, we know that there are uh, major forces within the country today uh, who want to turn the freedom of religious exercise in a right to discriminate. And I just want you to understand today the target of all of this might be the LGBTQ community, but there's a history that goes back to the 1960s with the passage of the Civil Rights Act and the public accommodation ordinances, uh, where the exact same arguments were made when the federal government said you can't discriminate against Black people in commerce and hotels and motels at lunch counters and so on. The claim was made under the First Amendment that no, the motel and the hotel and restaurant owners have a right, a religious right, a right of free association and a right of religious belief to say, we don't believe in interracial couples. We don't believe in people of different races eating together or sleeping under the same roof in a hotel. Therefore, you're discriminating against our religious rights when you tell us that um, the Commerce Clause gives Congress the power to establish civil rights legislation nationally. The Supreme Court rejected it, but that's what all of these cases are about today when people are asserting a religious right to say, no, we don't want gay people staying at our hotel, or no, we don't want to rent out our restaurant to gay people to celebrate a marriage or uh, whatever it is. So remember like that the history of the fight for equal rights is the right to be treated equally under the law, regardless of what someone else's bias or prejudice is. So uh, thank you for standing strong for that idea of universal, equal, and civil rights for everybody. And thanks for inviting me to uh, celebrate the holiday with you. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you for listening to the Jews for Secular Democracy podcast. Now it's time for you to take action. If you want to help defend the separation of church and state through a Jewish perspective, join us. Visit www.jfasd.org to sign up for our email list, learn more about becoming a volunteer, see if we already have an active group in your state, or if not, help start one and support our work. Until next time, this has been the Jews for a Secular Democracy podcast. Mm -hmm.